Welcome to Mic Drop Events, where we help you create events that people love. We believe that boring is brutal, quality is crucial, and remarkable events will take your business to the next level. Well, Kira, so excited to be talking with you. The title is Mic Drop Events, and I know that it's been fun getting to connect with you through a community and a mutual friend, Sangram, who's just an incredible person, and the Peak community. You've got a marketing background, you have an events background, and so mic drop events, especially in 2021, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, events are defined as, hey, it's a moment in time where something is happening, right? And you and I were just riffing before we hit the record button a little bit about webinars and virtual events and different things. So I think my first question for you is if someone is trying to grow their business, and use either a virtual event or a virtual webinar, how can they get people to even show up, just walk in the the virtual door, if you will, um, for their virtual event or for their webinar? What would you say? Hey, first of all, and thanks for having me. haven't spoken for a while about events and actually excited to do that with you, uh, funny enough. So you know what? I would start from... Looking into your database of the most relevant and close to you people, if you are a small, just starting company, or if you uh, have just um, decided to try out, uh, to test out your hypothesis, then go to people whom you know and talk to them maybe one-on-one or send emails to ensure that they are registering. That is the first avenue, I'd say, so that you don't find yourself in the situation where you are talking to yourself. Even if it's just a few people, that will be success because at least they will be able to give you some tips and feedback on how it went. Then I would say, depending on the industry or environment you are at, Use social media, definitely, because if you don't charge for the event, that's a no-brainer. Whoever shows up, they show up. And then if you have some budget, focus on where your audience serves. Maybe it's still some groups, maybe some communities, maybe you have been at an event and there is a distribution list afterwards. So I think if you are just starting, you have to know your audience, where they are, and you'll have to invest either time or money to recruit them to come. And we haven't even touched uh, on the message, so definitely you should have done your research before you are doing your especially first events. What is of interest for your audience? Are you marketing the solution? Are you marketing the problem? Do you know what these people are bothered about? And definitely scope your event around that. If you can bring big names or influencers in the industry or your niche, do so. If you don't have clients to bring to your event as speakers, then maybe rely on your peers or your friends or other people from the industry to pull their knowledge or to pull from their knowledge and bring their guests, you don't have to figure it out by yourself. So I guess research and hard work in the very beginning and appealing information, helpful information. 
Well, and that's so good because a couple of things that you said, I was I was taking notes. A couple of things that you said, uh, num- number one, I love it. You said research and hard work, right? Research and hard work. I feel like that could be the answer to a lot of our own problems, regardless if it's a virtual event or a sales problem or whatever it is. Research and hard work is a fantastic answer for a lot of different things. But a couple of these, because you, you went right off the bat for say a company or a group or a brand who doesn't really have that big of an audience or that big of a following, right? That's kind of what you started talking about at first. But there's a couple of things that you said that relate to not just if you're starting out and you don't have an audience, but also still, even if you have a big audience and making sure to communicate to, you said, market the solution and market the problem. I know that there's a gentleman by the name of Donald Miller out of Nashville with StoryBrand And he talks about that all the time. He talks about problem, solution, happy ending, problem, solution, happy ending, right? And how can you tell people, like take them through a story and say, hey, you are here, you're trying to get here and we can help you get over that hurdle or get past that problem with this workshop or with this virtual event. I was actually, so I I know I saw, I think I followed you on Clubhouse. It's a brand new app. It's like the talk of the marketing world and it's the, there's talk of the entrepreneurial world right now. And um, I was talking with someone uh, on Clubhouse about this same thing, about marketing the solution, marketing the problem. And she, she does an amazing job in her, in her bio. So on Clubhouse, like your biography is huge because if someone, if you're just in the audience and someone clicks on your profile, the only thing they get to see is that bio. So um, I, I love what you said of marketing the solution and marketing the problem. So if maybe, do you have any tips or tricks or anything like that? What if they have a large audience? What if they have a, a large large following already? What would be some things? Is it, what are, what are like the most important things? Is it the image? Is it the copy? Is it a video? Is it the headline? What are like the what is like something that they need to pay attention to in order to try to market themselves and say, hey, this virtual event is going to make your life better? I'll hate what I, I'll say now, but I'll say a cliche thing. Uh, and this is the experience. Mm-hmm. If we're all back, I would say start with the goal. What is that you want to achieve with that event? Especially if you have a huge audience, do you want to educate about a new solution? Do you want some people to take on new solution? Do you want to cross sell upsell or you don't have a commercial goal in mind at all? Do you want those people on the webinar become your brand advocates? What is that you want to achieve? Then you will know what form of event at all that should be because we all know huge events might be not as effective as smaller niche events, be it broken down by industry or specific, again, problem or audience insight. And then the next step would be to define what format that is taken. Is it a lecture? Is it an interactive webinar? Is it a panel discussion with questions? Really depends. And I think only then comes the form and shape of inviting people. If that's fun, like sure, do videos, why not? Fill it with Slido, Uh, questions and interactive communications as you would have done in the face-to-face environment, sure. 
if that's something related to brand, then sure, like put your speakers, main speakers, industry influencers, and uh, celebs that you are bringing upfront in the invitation, build the expectation. If you want something like a customer forum, then maybe a two, three step invitation might be good when you are inviting them to participate, explaining what they will benefit from that event. And maybe you do a poll to anticipate the questions that they are going to ask. And maybe you can already adjust the agenda of your webinar towards that. Um, in my previous place of work, that was a huge bank. Um, that's what we have been doing, liaising with some groups of potential customers or existing customers just a bit before, and then really bringing in insights from the industry experts through the slides so that you already can answer the most burning questions you haven't covered, just because you didn't think of that in your slides, and then saving the time for disruptive questions in the end. So sorry for the long answer, but again, research and hard work, and then on, only then visual and, and verbiage. I love that. I love that. Well, and, and a couple of things that you said um, really resonate with me really well, right? You talked about the experience. And even just thinking about, hey, what format do we want to have this in? Is it going to be Q&A? Is it panel? And that's incredibly important because some people are going to sh show up and expect to hear from a certain thing if we market it or we say, hey, this is how it's going to be, right? So making sure that we set the expectations on the front end and then meet those expectations when we're actually pulling off the event. And, and something else that made, made me think of also, you, you talked about like setting the goal. Like what is, what is the goal of it? It's so, that's so important. It's starting with the end in mind, right? And there's three, there's three real things. I think it's Andy Stanley out of Atlanta here, um, where I'm, where I'm standing. He says, uh, to ask yourself when you do something like this, what is something that you either want the audience to start doing, stop doing, or continue doing? That's great. Right? Mm -hmm. And if we just if we just ask that ask that one question, that'll help us figure out the one piece, and then we can go from there. I, I love that. So talk more about the experience from that. You you've got a background of events. Um, specifically, what what advice would you have for someone who's planning an event in 2021? They want their audience to either start doing, stop doing, or continue doing. What would you say is something that's really important to do, specifically with like virtual events? I would say it's not that different to me from face-to-face -face events, honestly. Okay. Why? Why? Um, because the challenges or the pitfalls are the same. Uh, and as I bring examples, you'll, you'll get where I'm going. Like, check the date. Check whether there is a lot going on in your industry. I often want to attend similar events which are happening not only at the same day, but at the same time. So how can that happen? Like if, if the event is important to you, just do the same check that you would have done uh, on the face-to-face -face event. In the regular environment, it was easier because venues in your specific location are limited. So that somehow put you into perspective. But now you can book your webinars, you know, any time of the day. 
So be, be accurate with that. And um, uh, then uh, the other thing that's not different at all is the human touch. It's very difficult to do so in the online environment. I bet you know how to do that better than myself. But how do we still stay human? How do we still keep in touch with the audience via the screen? Is it via, again, experience of breaking the event into a few parts? Do we... Um, you know, rotate the type of the engagement. Is it panel discussion followed by a Q&A and then a keynote or the other way around? What is that? That's, again, not so much different from, from regular events, especially if uh, you are working in an old-fashioned industry, I would say. And then the last and very important piece that is often, often missed in face-to-face -face events and webinars alike, this is the post-event engagement with your customers. Your sales need to follow up. If you don't have sales, you need to follow up as a marketer. How do you do that over the phone, over Zoom, emails? Like if you are just sending a thank you note, well, probably... Mm, you won't gain a lot from that. Are you asking for a feedback? Which feedback you are asking for? Is it like, you know, how was the event? Excellent or bad? What does it tell you? And I don't think those uh, those things changed uh, with the transition to virtual. So that's pretty much the same, I would say. And um, the question was actually about the piece of advice, how to do webinars smartly. I think just, again, as you said, define what you want the audience to do. And if audience to do anything, actually, define what you want to get out of that event. Because maybe you want to learn something from your audience. And then again, you'll have to figure out how you build that event. Or if you have the budget, just go to, to an expert. Because if you haven't done events before, you have a good chance of just uh, being under the water with all the technical details. And you can lose track of what's really important. That's really good. That's really good. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to d decide in my head where to go from there because a couple, there's so many different routes that we could because of what you're talking about. I mean, you talked about like, hey, virtual events. You talked about thinking for your audience, right? You talked about making sure that uh, they um, uh, that they know why you're putting on the event, right? You talked about also like how do we still stay human even though it's a virtual event, which you, you said how like some of the virtual events that we're putting on, they, we still have the same pitfalls that we have with in-person events. And you talk, when, when, when you're talking about thinking for the audience specifically, you're saying, and what I'm hearing you say is what are you competing against? Right? Because if you're putting on an event at a certain time of the year, look at what else is going on in that year, especially you said specifically to that industry and to your clients of who you're trying to reach which is so good. And, and then you said, how do we still stay human? Right. And like, there's, there's a big thing in the virtual event space right now. There's a push for augmented reality and virtual reality. 
I think augmented reality, I personally prefer augmented over virtual. And then I'm not really a big fan of virtual reality because it's it's kind of like when I'm on Twitter sometimes, if I see someone who makes like a nasty comment, I look at their Twitter profile and it says like AB035C2D or something like that. It's like not their real profile. Their name is some random name. And it's because they want to hide behind something. And virtual reality, we're all hiding behind something. And the quote that you said of how do we still stay human in this virtual space that's just why I don't I don't personally prefer virtual reality for a virtual event because we're already virtual anyway. I don't want to be even more virtual. I'd rather be more human, which I, I love that thought. So what are one or two things that someone can do for a webinar or for a virtual event in order to make it feel more human? So I would say, and that's a great question that you framed based on our discussion. So to me, this is... Stay yourself. I'm honestly, I'm probably not that young anymore for any realities other than the real reality. <laughs> there's no, there's no age limit. There might, there might be an age limit, but the yeah, keep going. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, stay yourself. If everybody is hiding behind something, so how will you be actually different? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Someone creates virtual reality. So what is your part in that? So for me, it's even easier because it's easy for me to stay who I am. I have my special accent. I have my special story. That's all good. That's that's even funny how, how that plays out. And then just, again, stay yourself. Talk about the topics that are of interest to your audience. Bring the guests who actually are like-minded and you can have an honest and relatively open conversation with them. Just don't bring a mask to the table if that's really what's important to you to stay human. So stay yourself, talk your language, bring people who are alike. Then you mentioned something about, uh, again, people hiding behind uh, augmented virtual reality and their names are actually numbers or symbols. Like, look at your audience. Whom are you bringing to to your event? Do you need those people in your audience? Do you really want to spend money and time and effort on bringing people who are not relevant into your audience? Would you accept feedback from people you really don't know? Would you do that in real life? What is different in the event? Mm -hmm. So I would say, again, stay yourself, bring guests who are thinking alike, and look at your audience so that they are real as well. It might be a bit vague or pretty much vague, but this is the best I can put it. That's really good. That's really good. Uh, the stay yourself comment to me, like what I'm what I'm hearing is if we want to be more, if we want to make the event feel more human, we just need to be more human, right? We just need to stay ourselves. That's what you said, and then look at our audience and relate to them. If we can bring in people that we 
uh, think like or that we talk like or that we and and there's something to be said about diversity also right we need we definitely need diversity of thought and diversity that's not what we're talking about here what we're talking about is you said is our intended audience right because like you said if someone's going to be at your and and hide if they're going to hide behind something like I'm imagining if someone were to go to like a Garth Brooks concert Garth Brooks is on top of my mind because of the inauguration that happened. And, uh, just a couple days ago. And if someone were to go to a Garth Brooks concert, but they were to hide behind something the whole time, are they really in the audience? Right. They might as well just be watching on, on at home and not be involved in the experience. So that's really, really, really good. Well, Kira, we're about out of time. So I've got one more question for you. So if you think about a mic drop, right. So a mic drop, like I'm picturing Obama in my head, like peace out, he drops the mic and he walks away. Or someone else on stage, usually a mic drop happens at the end of a performance or at the end of a thought or at the end of a, uh, someone usually will, they'll call for it at the, when someone says something, they say, oh man, that's so good. You just need to drop the mic, right? So what are some things that people could do to help prepare for or to plan for a mic drop moment at their virtual webinar or their event? That's a really good question because <laughs> uh, nearly never ever in my career I haven't, haven't I planned for that. And that okay. might be actually the best tip that you could give people. I would say, th- thinking on my feet, this is... Can you flip the funnel and ask your audience to contribute in some unusual way? Mm. Like be it, not saying what were your takeaways from this event, Mm -hmm. but just calling someone to the stage to share their maybe personal experiences or those aha moments that they have pulled from this event. Because... You're right. Those aha moments are the most valued. You see people's eyes spark and they're just opening their mind, accepting something new, diversity of ideas, diversity of thinking, as you mentioned. So I would say, look at your audience. What have they taken from the event? And you will feel empowered to continue doing those. That's so good. That's so good. Well, and because what you're saying is what some of the best communicators and what some of the best performers do is they involve the audience in the experience and they get them out of their seats. They get them out of maybe their comfort zone. And it's kind of like volunteering, right? Like if if we want to feel good about ourselves, maybe it's not about helping ourselves, but about helping other people. And like there are studies that show that if you help someone else, it's going to make you feel better, right? Even though you're not, you're not helping yourself. So I love what you're the line of thought, because it's not about us anyway, it's about our audience. So allow the audience to have the mic drop statement and the mic drop moment. That's, that's so good. I love that. We're going to end on that note. Well, Kira, um, thank you so much for joining us. I've got your bio here. So Kira is the international marketing consultant in integrated solutions for business. 2021, this right now, January, is so special because she's converting the 14 years of international B2B and B2B, B2C experience into a brand new consultancy 
and a coaching practice. She's bringing fintech, startup, marketing, hands-on work alongside a strong team-building expertise, and she's topping it all off with structured and weighted decision-making. So, Kira, I would love for you to share um, where can people find you online? How can they connect with you? Sure. And did I write all that? I'm not a medical copywriter. <laughs> so sure, I am very active on LinkedIn. So you'll have to you'll have to look for me. It's Kira Chernikovsky. I'm sure you'll have to look at the captions of this episode. My last name is very long. And you can look for my company. It's called Customerization. It's funny, it's not customization, it's not personalization, it's customerization, everything for the customer. And yeah, and I post a lot of content uh, on marketing side, on the business side. I do a lot of interviews as well with people who succeed by doing things differently. And I'm trying to put that in simple language. And you did an amazing job today sharing that passion with me simplifying, demystifying, making it easy to implement. So good. So good. Well, there was your mic drop statement right there. That was Kira. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to get your last name right. Kira Chernikovsky. Did I get the? Yeah. Very good. Very good. We'll be sure to uh, find Kira on LinkedIn. We will have a link to that in the show notes uh, for this episode. And if you're listening, please be sure to connect with her, follow her and encourage her because she's a new entrepreneur in a near space. Kira, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was my real, real pleasure.